It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Thursday episode of Locked On Raptors, earlier this week, we dug into the things we're excited about for what should be a pretty good Toronto Raptors team. But, of course, there's always worry involved in any season that's starting new. And on today's show, we're going to dig into three things that we're worried about or potentially concerned with the upcoming Toronto Raptors squad. And we'll do so with Jamar Hines of Raptors Republic. That's all coming up on today's episode. Thanks so much for being here. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1225 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, July the 28th, I think. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. And you can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast on all your favorite podcast apps for free. You can also go to YouTube and support the show there for free as well. Just jump in, hit the subscribe button, and you will get notifications whenever we have episodes go up on the video side of things. And as always, a big thank you for making us your first listen of the day. All right, on today's show, we are digging into concerns, worries, things that maybe have our eyebrows raised going into the new Toronto Raptors season. I think most people across the board are pretty excited about what this team is going to be, pretty high on the chances of them, you know, maybe even eclipsing the 48 win total they picked up last season. I certainly am. But of course, there are always some things to be mindful of that could go wrong we've seen things in very recent Raptors history go horribly wrong and so we're going to do some worry mongering on today's show with Jamar Hines of Raptors Republic one of my favorite guests of the show welcome back man how's it going I'm pretty good how are you doing Doing well, man. Doing well. Happy to have you on the show and uh, excited to dive into these potential, you know, concerns. I don't even know if worry is necessarily like the right word for some of these things. Just things I'm keeping an eye on as the season draws near. So let's begin, Jamar. I will give you the floor. What is your concern number one going into the 2022-23 Toronto Raptors season? Okay, let me preface this by saying that the Raptors are in a pretty good situation right now as is. Mm-hmm. So these are just little minor things. Sure. But I would say I don't really have them ranked, but my first thing I'm going to mention is just 
touches. Okay. And obviously, you know, Raptors Twitter was going a little bit nuts at Jake Fisher for the uh, OG and Anobi uh, articles about, oh, he may be unhappy or maybe he wants a trade or something like this and yada, yada, yada. Uh, I will say that you have obviously Pascal's the number one guy. Yeah. Fred was an all-star last year. People would expect Scotty to take a step up. Uh, same with Precious. Um, Gary's Gary's contract is going to be done around the corner. Mm-hmm. And then you have OG who wants to be a bigger part of the offense. So it's just like last year we had the unfortunate uh, scenario where every time you turned around, somebody was down. Right. So naturally people's shot attempts were up more as opposed to if everybody was together. So I guess I would just wonder how happy people would be in their roles if the team had um, the blessing of full health. Yeah. Like it would be pretty hard for, I think how many guys did we have average 15 points a game last year? At least like five or six. I think it was five, five or six. Five. Yes, five. Yeah. 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 So with everybody, if everybody's healthy, it's kind of hard to duplicate that. Someone's numbers would take a drop. Most people would assume Fred because, you know, um, play more off ball, especially if you have, you know, Scotty and Pascal who could run point at times. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, maybe his numbers drop a bit. But I look at a guy like Gary, if he's even – if he's can average 18 points a game again and if he if his numbers take a dip would he be happy with that mm-hmm. og average 17 it's like okay if he wants a bigger role we'd be talking like 20 points per game is that possible right. i mean like it, it, it is it, it's possible but it i guess i guess t- i don't think touches would be consistent with a healthy team and i wonder specifically those two guys gary and og how happy they would be with that I think that's a really good place to start. I actually had sort of a variation of this uh, for my third one, but I'll sort of work it in now. And it is like the sort of Gary Trent Jr. of it all, specifically how it comes to touches, specifically when it comes to will he accept potentially a six-man role if the Raptors want to make Precious Achua the starting five and go defense first in the starting group. But I think as a whole, it's a really good point. And You know, I'm a believer that, like, when teams are winning games, usually these things kind of sort themselves out. And, you know, if they get out to a hot start with the continuity they're going to have coming in, with the deeper roster they're going to have coming in, I would imagine we'll probably, you know, see things be pretty all right. If OG's averaging 16 a game, but the team is 20 and 6 out of the gate, I don't think anyone's going to be raising too many alarm bells. But, you know, if they're not winning games right right on early in the season if they are kind of struggling through it if the touches are a concern then yeah you know i i could totally see this kind of percolating into a thing that becomes something more than just sort of a thing that's referenced in different pieces and to the point of like the jake fisher articles about og like it's been kind of said out loud now like dick nurse was on justin termini's radio show last week and said yeah he wants more of a role like mm-hmm. whether he's unhappy again that's sort of uh, it was always framed by jake fisher by the way recent guest of the show go listen to the jake fisher episode last week but 
it was always framed by him that like this is probably coming from other people like outside of the Raptors suggesting that maybe OG is unhappy but right. it does stand to reason that a guy who's been on the team for as long as he has who's been invested in by the Raptors the way he has been would want to have a bit more of a role within the team and as Nick Nurse said on that radio show last week it's going to probably come down to can the other guys go off ball a little bit more to sort of free up OG to have the ball in his hands. And it's also going to kind of be on OG to sort of seize it as well. It's all going to kind of come together. I'm curious, Jamar, do you have like a, like a solve to this issue, like in your head, like in terms of who you might stagger guys with the bringing down, down to the minutes, who you might trim some possessions off of to give another, to another few to OG or Gary, you mentioned Fred. I think that's a really good one. And I, I could kind of yeah. see Fred this season, maybe adapting into that, Kyle Lowry championship season role where he just kind of realized, all right, I got to get people paid. I got to get people fed and I got to keep people happy. Is that sort of the, the pathway here for you? That's just talking with friends and stuff. That's the exact same comparison I made. I was like, okay, I was like, you know, we saw the Lowry that averaged 22 points a game, 21 points a game out of necessity, because at that point it was just a Rosen. And I think Ibaka just got here. Yeah. And then after that, there wasn't really a reliable score, but then, when we had more depth, you saw Lowry take a step back. His points per game dropped to like 16, then it would drop mm -hmm. to like 14. Mm -hmm. So I don't think Fred needs to drop that far off from 20, but I do see Fred deferring a little bit more. Maybe his assists go up. Uh, and, then I'll, and then I'll get to another concern of mine regarding Fred later, but mm -hmm. I, think, I think that's just the natural assumption. Um, if... Gary would be a great guy to stagger. The problem is, I think to maximize Gary's efficiency, you need someone that, you know, can get him the ball. So right. for for him to say, okay, maybe you stagger Gary with some bench minutes too, but then he won't get as clean looks. Right. And but he'll still want to get his shot attempts. Yeah. So that means so that means his shots selection is gonna be worse. So I I don't I'm not too big a fan of Gary playing with, you know, if there's no Scotty or Pascal or Fred on the floor that can, you know, give him the ball in his spots. I don't want Gary to just, you know, handle it and go off screens and, and do whatever. I mm -hmm. feel like that's what he's going to just to jack up terrible shots. So maybe I think OG, I think OG could stagger with some bench misses where he's the, you know, the primarily primary ball handler. I think he mm -hmm. would like that though. Where he gets to he gets to take up take on guys one on one and make decisions and you know bully people in the post and stuff like that maybe that would help but just just some ideas yeah I think my assumption is that one of Pascal Scotty or Fred is going to be on the floor basically at all times just to sort of run the offense but I could yeah. see like Scotty Barnes I mean the whole thing with him is that he's very unselfish right and if he mm -hmm. feels like okay maybe I got to sort of, you know, get Gary cooking here or something like that. Like that feels like it's kind of in his DNA as a player. And so I'm a little optimistic about the idea of like Scotty with Gary and OG groups. And then maybe you tandem Siakam and Fred together to sort of, you know, make sure that you're never really going to have a drop off. Like it's one of them good problems. Like, oh no, our arms are overflowing with all of these good players. Whatever are we going to do? But certainly <laughs> right. needs some massaging. I before we get to the break here, I do want to ask you sort of where you're at with Gary, because he is, I think, to me, sort of the most 
interesting of the core guys because I think he's the most tenuous of the core guys if we're throwing Precious into this bunch as well, which I think you should at this point. Um, you know, he's going to be on an expiring deal. He's got the player option at the end of the season. You would assume he's going to want to cash out. Like, what do you think is like the most likely outcome with, I, I feel like there's a few different potential sliding doors with Gary this season where one is he kind of takes another leap and becomes a no brainer. The Raptors got to keep this guy around and pay him whatever it takes. He's like obviously part of the core. That would probably be like my least likely outcome. The second likely outcome is that they just kind of ride out the season, hope to re-sign him at the end of the year for a reasonable deal. And, you know, you're fine if you have him, but if he walks, it's maybe not the end of the world. And then the third one is like maybe the lack of touches to go around for everybody leads to something where at the deadline you're looking at maybe an unhappy Gary Trent Jr. who's not getting the touches that maybe he would have gotten if, you know, maybe he moves to the bench. Maybe they sort of make that move at some point. And maybe you're looking at potentially dealing him at the deadline in a situation where you're probably going to be a pretty good team looking to go and make a playoff push. That can't be an easy call to make if you're the front office. Where do you see the Gary Trent Jr. experience going this season? You're right about him being a complete wild card. Um, It's probably your second or your third. I mean, it depends. It depends on his touches and it depends on the team's success. Um, I could see him being unhappy later on as the season goes along, even if even if we're winning and mm-hmm. he's only getting like 10 shots a game and his average drop from like 18 to 12 or 13. I don't think he'll drop that far, but I'm just 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 to throw out a random number. Uh I could see him being unhappy. Or, you know, I could also see them playing this out and hoping he resigns. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I just can't see his numbers going up. No, that and, seems like mathematically impossible. Right. <laughs> I can't see his numbers going up. So it's just yeah, it's just this, this questions with his, his temperament. I don't I don't I don't know. It's something it's something that no one's gonna really know. We're just gonna have to wait and see and have it play out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't. I don't think he elevates his game to the point where it's like, oh, we we have to keep him. You know, I I just I just don't see it. Yeah, I mean, look, team building and like chemistry in the room is a very uh, difficult thing to pin down, especially from the outside. Like, we have no idea how things are, the sort of interpersonal dynamics and all that stuff. That said, I mean, you know, the team does kind of project a good vibes feeling, and maybe that helps. And also. Like I've said, if you move Gary Trent to the bench, let him become the sixth man he was born to be, uh, he probably will. Like That's probably his best shot of averaging like 18 a game again, right? Because he's just going to have the free run of the second unit, and you know he can go chase down sixth man of the year. I, I think that's probably, you know, it'll be a tough sell because he started all last season, of course, and he obviously feels a certain way about himself, as, as he should. He's got the gunner spirit. That's how, what he should feel like, but... Um, that is certainly something I'll keep an eye on, just sort of the dynamics around the top six guys and how it all comes together and how the touches are all dispersed. I think that's a, a really good one you let off with here, Jamar. We're going to continue. I, hold on oh, one go second. Ahead. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, one second. Yeah. And in terms of Gary coming off the bench, I compare him to Norm, where right. I feel like I feel like he comes in with a totally different vibe as a starter. Because right. I remember Norm, used, that seemed to be Norm's ideal role, just like instant offense guy off the bench. But it was clear that he was just better as a starter. Right. I can totally see that being with Gary too. But mm-hmm. you know, we'll see. We will see. Uh, we will also see what our second big concerns are about the Raptors going into the season in just one second. But first, 
I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar, who are making the best tasting protein bars money can buy. Got to check them out. And right now, they are also deep in the Built Bar Puff game, the marshmallowy, delicious treats that are sending the world into a tizzy. And the new flavor they have is the Cookie Dough Chunk Puff. I have some in my fridge. I will be having one probably as a late night snack at some point this week because they are delicious and they are good for you as well. You just get 160 calories, which is much less than you're going to get in your standard candy bar and a whopping 15 grams of protein in them as well. And it's the good protein. It's collagen protein, baby, which your body absorbs more efficiently and it provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. You're going to love the new Cookie Dough Chunk Puff. They have done it. They've made it seem like you're eating something so, so unhealthy with the chocolate and the marshmallow and the cookie dough chunks. But in fact, it's pretty darn good for you. You can ditch the calories, fat, and sugar. Grab yourself a Built Bar. Go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, to get 15% off of your order. That's the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, for 15% off at Built.com. Go check them out. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day. Talking about our main concerns going into the new Toronto Raptors season. Let's go with concern number two. Jamar, you let it off so wonderfully with a very apt concern in segment one. What you got for your number two concern? Okay, well, I kind of teased going back to Fred on another concern. And here it is. Uh, I'm still a little bit concerned with, you know, the point the point guard play behind him. Mm-hmm. Um I wonder how much minutes Malachi is going to get. And then I know Scotty and Pascal can kind of um, stagger some minutes at the point to help Fred out. But we can't go into a situation where Fred is playing 40 minutes a game. No. Again. Um, <laughs> that can't have. I don't Absolutely care. not. <laughs> I don't I don't care if we have a bunch of injuries because that was basically what happened last year. We had so many guys out. Fred had to haul ass. Did a great job of that. Um, just look at the Utah game, for example, where he yeah. took over in the third quarter. I think that was the game where he had his first career triple double. I think I'm pretty sure. Rings a bell, yeah. But yeah, we got to get that guy's minutes to like 34 ish at like the absolute most. Because mm-hmm. I compare Fred last year to Kyle in 2015, where Kyle broke Kyle broke down down the stretch, and then that was the year we got swept by the Wizards, and he was just nothing like himself. Fred was nothing like himself in the playoffs, and um, I just you just have to find a way to chill on his minutes. I mean, Pascal, I think Pascal actually ended up playing more minutes than Fred. Oh, Pascal like played an ungodly number. Of yeah, minutes. which He's was probably which, in this like in this batch of guys we should be. Which was crazy. Well. Which, <laughs> which was crazy. Yeah, which was crazy in itself. And I would assume, I would hope his minutes drops as well, as long with OG. I, I, we had. I, I want to say over the top ten guys in minutes per game, we probably had like a good three or four of them. Yeah, but oh, well, Scotty played a ridiculous number of minutes too. Yeah, right. 
So, yo, I, I just I just think that the de- I think the depth needs to be trusted a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You know, Ma- I, f- I feel Malachi can get a longer leash. I feel uh, we'll, 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 we'll see if Delano Benton makes the team. Mm-hmm. And then we can, and like I said, we could stagger some guys, but just got to be creative. Got to find ways to limit Fred's minutes because we can't go into the playoffs with Fred in that state again. Yeah, I mean, I've made this comparison. Another Kyle Lowry corollary we can pull out here. But, like, the Raptors did eventually learn their lesson with Kyle in having to limit his minutes. And I think it was the 15-16 season and kind of beyond there where they really started to really hone in on it. I think, actually, it was the 17-18 season where they brought him down to, like, maybe 31, 32 minutes a game. Right, and like bench mob. Totally, bench mob, all of that. I do think they're a little bit more safeguarded. And by the way, you've hit on another one of my concerns. So we're, we're, we're like batting two for two almost here for, and being in line here, which makes for a very convenient podcasting. But the, I just, I feel like the depth will be better suited to preventing them from having to ride Fred so heavy. It, it like, it wasn't just that they didn't have a ton of ball handling. They didn't have any shot creation for like this first part of last season. Right. And I think they have that a little bit more, Assuming a leap from Scotty, knowing that Pascal is like the supernova that he was down the back part of last season, and if there's any sort of growth there in terms of his shooting, that becomes even more dangerous. And I think Thad Young, like truthfully, helps with this as well. Like another guy you can just kind of run stuff through at the elbows, get possession started through him. He's a good passer. Like mm-hmm. I, I think there's enough in terms of creation. You know, you give it to Gary, maybe there's a step up there, a micro leap in terms of his playmaking, which, you know, you're kind of going from the bar being on the floor with his playmaking. So any leap would be something. Um, but I, I do think there's enough depth to prevent them from having to ride a guy like Fred that heavily. And I guess it comes down to what does this team think they're going to be capable of in the playoffs? Because the refrain last year was, well, we're just going to try really hard in the regular season to win as many games as we can because we know we're probably not long for the postseason, whatever happens. So, like, this is our testing ground. And I actually bought that. And as much as it hurt Fred long-term and caused him to be out for the playoffs or not nearly as effective as he should have been in the playoffs, I did understand the thinking that, like, okay, this is a learning season. you got to learn at some point, and the best way to learn what you have and the most important guys is to play them a lot and see what they got, and they had a lot. And I think that's been proven now. You get to this season, do they have designs on a second, third-round advancement? And obviously the Eastern Conference is going to be a bear again. It's going to be difficult to realistically plan for a three-round playoff run, but if that's the sort of ambition they have... I would imagine there will be a bit of a scaling back of things in the regular season to learn from the past. They've done the load management thing before. They've done the minutes management thing before. They've done it under Nick Nurse. I don't think they're like unable to do it. Last season was a bit of a particular circumstance, I think, just because they had like six good players and they were trying to sort of win as many games as they could in the regular season for the reasons I just laid out. This year feels a little bit more like they can play the long game, even if it's not a championship or bust season or anything like that. This is where you start to maybe, it's not even maybe you take Fred down from 39 to 33. Maybe it's you take him from 39 to 35 and a half or something like that and sort of begin the slow, gradual, um, you know, move into treating the regular season as though it's 82 practices like they did when they won the title. Um, You know, are you like, if I was to say like grade this worry on a level of one to 10, 
10 being like the amount of worry you had at the end of the 2014-15 season as Kyle Lowry was being grounded to dust and one being you're not worried at all. Where are you at in terms of overall concern with this particular, uh, you know, minutes dispersal thing? I would give it a six. Okay. Six or six and a half because I do think it's a legitimate I do think it's a legitimate worry and it's going to be a point of emphasis. Mm-hmm. And especially with Fred is another guy that you wonder about an extension in the future. Yeah. If he, if he breaks down another season and there's going to be, there's going to be questions regarding that. Right. So I don't, I don't think the Raptors, the, the part that's tough to balance is that I don't think the Raptors have the luxury of being okay. We can totally like just, scale down everybody's minutes and if we pick up a couple of losses along the way so be it because Mm -hmm. there's so much parity in the east where the raptors are not guaranteed a top six seed right you know it only takes one thing to go seriously wrong for them to fall back into play-in territory because they had to remember they had to play their ass off to get out of the playing situation. Yeah, Cleveland's sure. the te- Cleveland's the team that looked like they were pretty safe, and then they got some injuries and they fell from like the four seed to the eight seed to not in the playoffs entirely. Yeah. So you know y- you want to avoid that playing scenario at all costs. So I, I I still don't think there's a lot of wiggle room or difference between the Raptors and a lot of other teams in the East where it's like okay we know we're going to be at that spot. Like that's not guaranteed. So that's what makes it hard to scale down minutes because if they're picking up losses and Fred is averaging like 32 minutes a game, guess what he's going to want to play? Yeah. He's going to want to play more minutes. Right. And it's just like, okay, now you're going to have to balance between not getting Fred hurt and not pissing him off by keeping him <laughs> on the bench. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a delicate balance. Definitely. Uh, well, you know what can help that balance is uh, blowing out some teams. Please, just blow out some bad teams this year, which <laughs> they did not do at all last season, and it drove me absolutely up the wall. Why is this game against the damn Wizards taking you into the final moments of Detroit. crunch time? Detroit, please just beat the Pistons one time, just once. <laughs> That's all I need, man. It's crazy. Uh, we're going to come back on the other side, dig into our final concern going into the new Raptors season. We'll get to that in just one second. But first, just a reminder, the Locked On Blue Jays is covering the Jays every single day. You can go check out that podcast on your favorite apps and on YouTube for free as Ben Shulman, son of Dan, and Matt Bonaparte take you through and highlight all that's going on with the boys in blue as the summer continues on and the trade deadline's coming up very, very soon. So you should be very much attuned to Locked On Jays throughout. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's continue on here, Jamar. Round this bad boy out and dig into our next concerns, our final concerns, if you will, for the upcoming Toronto Raptors season. Jamar, what you got for concern number three? Well, this is the least of my concerns, and I do an ex- I do already expect an improvement in this area, but I do wonder I do wonder about the shooting a little bit. Okay. Um, we uh, we got Otto Porter, who I believe was a 
40% three-point shooter. Fred is a 40% three-point shooter. And Gary's around that number too. Um, we saw, I don't know if you saw that uh, video yesterday of Pascal working on his jumper. Oh, baby, we're at summertime jumper video time. <laughs> I know. It's the best. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Um, and then I, I think OG had a down shooting year last year. I think he's capable of being a 40% three-point shooter at best, too, especially if he has a lot of spot-up shots. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do worry about the shooting off the bench a little bit. I hope Precious picks up. I mean, picks up where he left off in terms yeah. of shooting. Like I still remember that game against Philly where he basically iced it by just running up the court and just jacking up a three. And it's like, oh my god, <laughs> right? Um, but I, I, I want to see. I want to see Scotty take a leap in that category. I want to. I, like I said, OG had. I think OG had a down year. I want to see him get back up in that area. Pascal too. Although down the stretch of the regular season. Pascal was was making more threes in the playoffs. He kind of reverted back. I think he only shot like twenty three percent from three in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But I, it's not a major concern. I just think, especially with the bench, we don't. I don't think we have a lot of reliable shooting off the bench. Like Fred, I mean, not Fred. All that's not a shooter. And then the guard plays kind of hit or miss. Remember, we we gave a million chances to. Um, uh Svi last year yeah. to, to be to be to be like a reliable shooter and off the bench and that never worked. Um I think I think Malachi's shooting was hit or miss. So shooting is obviously such a big part of today's game. So I just so there were there were times where we couldn't make a damn shot. Yeah. From from the perimeter. So I would like to see an improvement in that area. But of the other of all the concerns I mentioned, that's the least on my list. Yeah, I think I'm a little less concerned about the shooting as like an individual thing. Uh, just because I think, I mean, maybe I'm buying too much into the back part of the season for Precious, but like it looked good and it was very promising. And I'm hoping there's at least like a league average season in him. Maybe he's not going to shoot 40% like he did after the All Star break, but 36, I think that that's totally on the table. I agree. There's probably a bounce back in there for OG. I think if you can get Siakam to just stand in the damn corner sometimes and hit some threes because other guys are creating, that's a way to kind of solve a couple problems at once. You get OG going downhill with the ball in his hands, you get Pascal spacing in the corner, and all of a sudden, maybe you get Pascal kind of recapturing some of his previous magic as a corner shooter, and, you know, you get OG happy because he's got touches and he's making things happen. Um, You know, I think Fred is awesome and a little bit more off ball and catch and shoot for him is not going to be a bad thing because he is one of the best catch and shoot players in the whole league and was very much that last season it was sort of the pull-up stuff that brought his numbers down overall and then you know maybe there's an incremental jump from scotty maybe chris boucher evens out somewhere in the middle of his 39 percent season in tampa and the 28 percent from last season um and then obviously Otto porter is like a guaranteed like that dude's money like this team has by my count what I would say, four dead-eye shooters in Fred, OG, Porter, and Trent. And then if you can get, just get some okay shooting mixed in, maybe a Justin Champagny shows that what he did at the G League was real and he gets some rotation time. Like, I think there's enough there to make it work with all the other stuff that they do where they, you know, they're pretty good at manufacturing space wherever it might be, whether it's on the interior or outside, just because of the gravity that their ball handlers have because they're so long and, and you know, give so much rim pressure. But it's certainly a thing. I do think the three-point shooting does feed into my kind of overarching big concern, which is the half-court offense right, and that's how it performs thinking. in relation to the defense. Because 
the whole thing last year was we got to game the possession battle. We got to be hunt, like very aggressive hunting for steals and get out of position because we need to drive our offense with our transition. And their transition wasn't even that good. It was like one of the worst efficiencies of all transition offenses last year. They just ran more than everybody else and scored a whole bunch in it. But their half-court offense was still pretty brutal. Per cleaning the glass last season, they were 26th in points per play, uh, 91.3 points per 100 possessions in the half court last season. They ran the second fewest number of half court possessions in the league by design because they knew that's not where their bread's buttered. I wonder though, if they're able to just kind of scrape by even like with the 15th best half court offense because Pascal's taken a step, Scotty's done the thing. They have just more healthy guys, better shooting, all of that. Does that allow them to dial back the defense and then really become just an impenetrable force of switching and length where they're not having to do the scramble and recover thing all the time? They'll do it for sure. Nick Nurse loves to play multiple defenses and try different things out, but that was kind of their base defense at all times last year, and it got them burned in spots. By the end of the season, it seemed like guys kind of learned it, and it was really effective, and we've seen even back in 2019-20, you can play that super aggressive style to good effect, but over the course of a full season, you want to try to keep guys from burning out and like overtaxing them in their minutes. That's probably a really good way to do it uh, is to not play 48 minutes of insanely intense basketball on both ends of the floor, make it a little bit easier for guys on defense. So they have a little bit more in the tank for the offense. It's always fascinating to me how the offense and defense kind of are intertwined on this particular team because of how they played and because their half-court offense has been such a struggle. Where are you at with that being a concern? Like, are, are, Would you like to see them dial back the aggression defensively this season more? Or do you kind of like the, we're going to win the possession battle, crash the offensive glass, that's going to be our half-court offense essentially, and we are going to play that crazy-ass defense that keeps teams kind of on their toes and freaks them out? I don't think Nick Nurse is a guy that will ever dial anything back defensively. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really don't. I mean, it it's it seems ideal to say, but I really don't. Mm-hmm. And especially especially how you mentioned they were picking it up at the end of near the end of the season where they were getting used to those type of concepts. I think that's just going to make him want to do it more, not less. <laughs> but no, you bring up a really good point about the half-court offense, and I should have incorporated that when I was talking about the shooting because when you just look at the raw numbers, the Raptors were right in the middle of the pack in terms of three-point percentage last season. They were like 15th at 36%. Mm-hmm. So, But if they have more reliable shooting in the half-court and they get into that top 10 in terms of three-point percentage that's only going to make things better right yeah and and then obviously as we mentioned some of the half court numbers took a hit because we always had guys out yeah so with a full complement of offensive weapons i would not expect us to be 26th in um half court offense like if that's the case then you know we got some real questions Totally. And and this is like a big, you know, bet on their internal development, right? And, you Mm -hmm. know, maybe it'll pay off, maybe it won't. But I do think the, like, geometry of the floor will be a little bit more favorable this season than it was last year. And certainly in the Tampa season where it was Pascal passing to four dudes who couldn't shoot at all times, basically. Uh, (laughs) It's a nightmare. So I'm pretty optimistic there will be at least an uptick in the way the half-court offense runs. And And I do think 
like just kind of the way they go about it where you know they try to hunt mismatches they try to use their size to their advantage like i think they'll get better at that they'll be more refined scotty will probably tick up a little bit in terms of his efficiency i would guess and i do think the sort of ecosystem of the offense will be a little healthier but whether that allows them to dial back the defense and just you know make use of their length in a more conservative way we shall see you make a very good point about Nick Nurse being an absolute maniac. So uh, <laughs> that feels like a good place to leave this one off. Jamar, thanks so much for hanging out. Thanks for chatting and bringing some no awesome concerns to the table. Where can people check out your great work? Uh, my Twitter handle, JamarBH. There's a link to um, my Raptors Republic work. Uh, I did some summer league stuff. And if you if you follow me today, if you click on, if you go on my page today, you may see some little balloons pop up because it is my birthday. Oh my God! Happy birthday, Jamar! <laughs> Hell yeah! But I, I wish I had a kazoo with me so I could make some noise. But, yeah, I'm normally uh, yeah, I'm birthday, normally hey, thanks. I'm I'm normally really low key about that. I, you might not see the balloons. I might have that on private. I don't remember. <laughs> I see them, so I don't know. But yeah. There you go, man. Uh, Happy birthday to you. Have yourself a wonderful day. And listeners, thanks for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day as well. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Uh, That's going to be it for fresh episodes for a little while now. I am getting married this weekend and I'm going on my honeymoon. There will be no Friday episode. And then the next three weeks we have... Great heartbreaks in Raptors history interspliced with a mega mailbag with Katie Heindel that is going to fill the feed over the next few weeks. So I apologize if the Raptors trade for Kevin Durant, there will not be a fresh episode until I return from my honeymoon and you'll be watching episodes about Raptors history while the rest of the world is melting down over what the Raptors got uh, or have the Raptors got Kevin Durant for Kem Birch, Gary Trent and a second round pick or whatever Masai manages to pull off because Masai is a wizard. So apologies for that, but I'm assuming it's going to be pretty chill the next few weeks. So you'll have the mailbags to look forward to two weeks from now. We're going to do the great heartbreaks in Raptors history next week and then the week following the mailbag just to kind of vary things up as well. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for supporting the show. Be sure to support it while I'm away, even though I won't be interacting with it a whole lot. It'll still be dropping episodes. So thank you very much. And with that, we'll round the show out. Thank you. Support the Locked on NBA. Make it your second listen of the day. They're covering the league wonderfully over there every single day throughout the offseason. And we will talk to you again on Tuesday with the next episode of Locked on Raptors. And I will talk to you from the present in later in August. Have a good one, everybody. Bye-bye. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.